Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Good morning, church. It is, uh, it's great to be with you guys. And um, I do not take this lightly because I really do believe that there are some giants of the faith uh, in this room. And if you do not feel as though you are one, can I encourage you that just like Pastor Peter encouraged us, the fullness of experiencing God is that we are never where we once were. And that even if we do fall and we do stumble, God's grace and his care and his love that he provides so generously to us is always there to pick you up and to dust you off and to allow us to keep running our race towards Jesus. And so I'm really excited. We are speaking today from uh, hearing from God. And I would like to introduce you to a principle before I begin. And if you maybe haven't heard me talk before, uh, I would encourage you to pull out some form of note-taking device. Because if you take one thing down today, this is what I would like you to walk away with. The principle is very simple, but it's something that we become very familiar with. And in that familiarity, we forget to apply it. The principle is that our God is the God who speaks. Our God, the one who rescued us, who provided the sacrifice, who created the world, our God is the God who speaks. And if you are struggling with faith right now, if you are caught in a challenging season or perhaps worried about the trajectory and direction of your life, can I encourage you that this morning you can take courage knowing full well that our God is the God who speaks. He spoke to the wind and waves and calmed storms, and today he is still calming storms in our lives. He spoke to disease and pain, and people were healed, and today his words still heal and comfort. He spoke to cowards and kings and rescued thousands from slavery, and still to this day he is the one that sets us free from every trap. If we only had the time this morning, we would go through every thread of this book and each story that is in this room, and we can show how our God is the God that speaks. He is not dead. He is not mute. He has not forgotten you. He is constantly reaching out. And in our familiarity with a God who is sometimes unseen with human eyes, we can forget that we can still hear him with human ears. So no matter your circumstance, no matter your worldview, I would like you to know that God is reaching out to you. My question today is, are you listening? This message, Hearing God, is the culmination of a number of conversations that we've been having at Avant Life Church. And you probably have had these conversations with people in this building. You may just not have realized it. It's also based on some messages that Pastor Ben and Emma have shared with our team in bringing us into this season of maturity and establishing as a church. And as we begin our 21-day fast, the importance of this message this morning for you and I is that this is the induction. This is the induction into what God wants to tell you over the course of the next three weeks. And I want us to grasp this concept that God is the God who speaks What is he going to tell you over the next three weeks? And for some of us who are too familiar with that idea, we can immediately shut off and build walls. And we're left with a mute God. So to illustrate the point, 
we're going to take a bit of a dive into military history. And I know that some of you might be like, ah, oh, that's boring, Joel. But unfortunately, history is one of the most interesting things. And I say unfortunately because it's just been taught very poorly in the past. To illustrate, I'm going to use uh, Chinese and Eastern military versus Western forces. And this is a great example that Pastor Ben has brought up a number of times. And it's this idea of site faith being subpar faith. And so if you're taking notes, I'd like you to write down site faith and sound faith. So the way that the West typically has conducted military battles was that they were actually using flags to signal different uh, military maneuvers. So if we were going to attack, there would be one colored flag. If we were going to defend, there'd be another. If we were going to flank or perhaps retreat, there would be another flag. But you can imagine that basing military tactics off flags is actually quite difficult. Because as swords are swinging and horses are charging, I'm not only paying attention to the enemy in front, but I'm actually constantly looking over my shoulder to see what the instructions are. And oddly enough, I identify with that more than I would identify with sound faith. Because I've felt that crippling anxiety of constantly checking whether I'm going to make the right decision of wondering if I'm heading in the right direction, worrying about what might happen if I get something wrong. And this is the danger, this is the pitfall of sight-based faith, is that it is subpar. But the East, they based it off sound, and they had sound faith. So all of their different maneuvers for their military wasn't actually done by flags, it was done by drums. So now, as I'm fighting my opponent, as I'm worried and looking at what's happening, I no longer have to look over my shoulder to see whether I'm doing the right thing. I just need to follow the beat. I just need to listen. In fact, I don't have the same restrictions with sound faith as I do with sight faith, because I can go around the corner. I can go into the enemy's camp. I can break the line of sight and still hear what the instructions are. And the same, is with, uh, sorry, the same is said for our relationship with God. I wonder, have we got sound faith or sight faith? So if you're taking notes, this is my first point. Spiritually deaf. And I would like to suggest that for us in the West, we are actually suffering from more spiritual deafness than spiritual blindness. In Romans 10, 17, it says this. It says, so faith, this is Paul writing to the Roman church, Faith then comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And you can see that as a modern society, we have become obsessed with sight. In fact, we crave it. We crave getting our information through sight. We've seen it through the pandemic. You watch Zoom and the stocks went up like nothing else. We saw social media. We see movies. We see TV. We even have sayings that say a picture is worth a thousand words as if one picture could compare to the thousands and thousands of great novels and literature that have been written over the centuries. We obsess over sight. And it happens in our life because it's so much more convenient to look at a picture than to read a thousand words. The church is no different in this struggle. As believers, we're taught how to share the vision or how to lead people in the vision. But as a church, we need to understand that although we serve a God who cannot be heard, oh, sorry, who cannot be seen by human ears, cannot be seen by human ears. Uh, yeah, you can't use your ears to, yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, all you theology junkies out there, I didn't even get that wrong. <laughs> and it's recorded and there's evidence. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? 
you can't see God with your eyes. But just because you can't see him with your human eyes doesn't mean you can't use your ears to listen to his voice. He can be heard. And because he can be heard, we should lean into what we can hear as opposed to what we can see. Are we relying on the wrong sense? Listening to God is not like a TV episode that can be seen, but it's a lifelong conversation that never stops. And I think in our obsession with TikToks and episodic Bible plans, we have uh, substituted our faith for something that actually isn't faith. It's just basing something on what's seen, not on what's heard. But God loves to speak to us. I mean, just read creation and the story of creation in Genesis. God spoke before anything else happened. He spoke and then he walked amongst us. Read the story of Moses and the Israelites. Moses heard God's voice and was confronted with a flaming bush. Yes, confronting and scary. Yes, but he heard God's voice. He also heard God say, hey, you need to take the Israelites and free them from Pharaoh and was confronted with the sea. And yes, confronting. Yes, scary, but he still heard God. Joshua heard God as they were going into Jericho, but he saw the wall. David heard God, but was confronted with a giant. And yet Jesus arrives and all of a sudden the dynamic changes. This dichotomy between this obstacle of what we see and this promise that God says has now been completely fulfilled. And the promise of a Messiah, the promised son of God for 400 years suddenly arrives. And now when we hear God speak, we see Jesus. Do you see how this has changed? Thousands and thousands of years of hearing God and seeing obstacles. And now we live in the fullness of the gospel, which is to hear God and see Christ. And it's available here in the book that is on most of our shelves. Jesus then challenges us to say and to speak, to preach the gospel, that which, uh, sorry, which leads to an outpouring of God's spirit. And I wish we had the time to go through this story in Acts. Um, but if you have your notes, I want you to jot down Acts 10 to 11. And this is the story of a man named Cornelius and the apostle Peter. And what's fascinating about this is that Cornelius is uh, this Gentile man. So he's not brought up in church. He's not familiar with Jewish traditions. And he's actually not Jewish. And yet he loves and respects and believes in God. But there is a disconnect between what he is believing and what he's hearing and what he's seeing. And so Peter arrives and shares the full gospel with Cornelius and his friends and his family. And in the middle of Peter's sermon, the Holy Spirit pours out over this entire party and people are asking to be baptized. They're filled with the Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. And how does that happen? From hearing the fullness of the gospel. They had read and they had seen Jesus and his disciples and the teaching and what was happening in all these different cities. But it wasn't until they heard the fullness of the gospel that the fullness of the presence of God was experienced. And so for each of us, we need to ask, okay, am I experiencing the fullness of God? Genuinely, am I experiencing the fullness of God, the love that comes from him, the care that comes from him, the provision and protection that comes from God? And if we're not, we need to ask, perhaps we haven't heard the fullness of the gospel. Perhaps we're not hearing God's voice. So, point number two for my note takers. Miracles are empowered by words, not sight. 
I'd like you to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 5 to 11. Now, Jesus had entered Capernaum, and a centurion came to him. He was a Roman soldier. When I was talking with uh, Pastor Matt about the message, he said, hey, do we need to let people know that it wasn't a, a centaur? It was like a centurion? I was like, Matt, I, I don't think so. But in case anyone was confused, it's a, it's a person. It's not like a, a beast. Yeah. A centurion came to Jesus, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And then Jesus said to him, hey, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servants, do this, and they do it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed him, assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I want us to have a look at that last verse, because isn't that such an, an interesting, if not like backhanded statement from Jesus to his followers? I'm, Jesus is marveled. Like, to think that Jesus can be marveled and impressed by this man, who wasn't a part of the Jewish community, who was actually part of the occupying force of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, and yet Jesus is marveling at this man and says to his followers, he's got the best faith. He's got the greatest faith. In fact, not just of everyone that's here and can see this, he's got more faith than anyone in all Israel. I've not seen faith like this before. The Israelites, this community, had been waiting for 400 years for Jesus. Like, I want you to think about growing up and being told by your parents for 400 years, hey, a rescuer is coming. A Messiah is coming. God's promised us. He said that this will happen. And here's Jesus standing in front of this very community, and they can't even recognize him. And this guy who's completely out of order, He's completely out of where he should be. He's an occupying force in this land. And yet he can recognize that all Jesus needs to do is say a word and he'll be healed. He just needs to say a word and he'll be healed. And this is, this, this is the principle I'm highlighting here, is that the miracle will be said before it will be seen. See, the centurion leaves knowing, or rather trusting, that the miracle had happened not because he'd seen it himself, but because Jesus had said it. And because Jesus has said it, because it's the word of God, he'll bring it to completion. And the encouragement for you and I today is that if we can hear what God has to say about our lives, it's a reliable source for trajectory, for direction, for guidance and encouragement. Hearing the voice of God changes everything. Number three, seeing is often deceiving. You might have heard that seeing is believing, but in reality, seeing is often deceiving. We're going to turn to Matthew 14, uh, verse 25 to 30. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to the disciples, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, same Peter that we read about in Acts. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, said Jesus. 
Then Peter got down off the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. I love this story because it's such a beautiful moment between Peter and Jesus. And I often wonder, I was like, what actually made Peter be able to walk on water? And walk, walk with me through this, right? Because Peter was a skilled guy. He was strong, very intelligent, but it wasn't his strength skills or his intelligence. It wasn't how much he made every year. It wasn't his job description or his postcode or where he lived or what his friendship circle looked like or what demographic he was in. None of these skills or these points that Peter had allowed him to walk on water. In fact, it wasn't even his seeing abilities that allowed him to walk on water. They were actually his downfall. The only thing that allowed Peter to walk on water was because he listened. Because he listened. Immediately, this is verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt Jesus says little faith because he can see that Peter was focusing on what he could see as opposed to what Jesus had said. He says little faith because it's a subpar faith. Sight faith is not the same as sound faith. It's a vulnerable faith. It's vulnerable to what you see because you could actually hear what Jesus says and then look at something else and all of a sudden it leaves because we're basing it on what we see. I would argue that we find ourselves in a little faith generation where everything is built on what we see. Peter, by submitting his doubts, his skills, his fears to what he heard Jesus say, was able to walk on water. But it took humility to submit what he saw and to follow what Jesus said. It takes humility. So what's the point for us? Well, it means that whatever you're working with, And whatever you're working on, whatever you might be coming up empty in, we need to realize that Jesus made it. Are you trying to figure out what to do with your boss? Jesus made your boss, and he has a lot to say about our work. Are you trying to figure out what to do with your kids or with your spouse or with your friends? Jesus made all of them too, and he has a lot to say about what we should do. Whatever area that we are struggling in, whatever area that we're coming up empty in, Jesus has expertise. But too often we are like Peter and too consumed by what we see and we start to sink and we cry out. And it's this Bondi rescue-like moment where Jesus swoops in and saves the day. I love uh, Pastor Darius Daniel. He puts it this way. He says, could it be that some of the problems we're calling problems are actually listening problems? I'll say it again. Could it be? that some of our problems that you and I are calling problems aren't actually problems, they're just listening problems. And if we were just to listen to the voice of God, maybe they won't be problems anymore. Number four, space invader. I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 20, verse 24 to 29. And uh, this is a really important story in the timeline of Jesus' coming to earth and death and sacrifice This is just after Jesus has been resurrected and all of the disciples except one know that Jesus is alive. Now Thomas was one of the twelve and he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe 
Though the doors, oh, sorry, a week later, verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it on my side. Stop doubting and believe. I, uh, if the worship team could come up, that'd be great. I read this story and very quickly put myself in Thomas's shoes. And I think for all of us, we're probably more like Thomas than we would like to admit. Because I often treat my relationship with God as a kind of arrangement where, you know, each of us have our little access points to Jesus. And it allows us to draw on his merits to pay our sin bills and actually requires very little of us. So we actually say to Jesus inadvertently, okay, God, uh, unless I can see what it's going to cost me, I'm not going to engage. Unless I know how much pain I'm going to go through, unless I know how this ends, unless I know the trajectory after this, I'm actually not going to do this. God, would you please just promise me I'm not going to be in pain? Would you promise me that you would go through that and I won't? Would you promise me that I can see the scars on your hands and on your feet and on your sides, but I won't be scarred? Can you promise me that, Jesus? Because if you can, then I'll engage. It's an incomplete gospel. We don't get to experience the fullness of Christ. But I love that Jesus still appears amidst all the demands that Thomas made. He still appears and confirms his love for Thomas with grace. Thomas's response is, is beautiful. And I actually think it is, it's very human. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. It's in this moment that Thomas realizes his pride. He realizes that he effectively blackmailed Jesus. Unless I see you, unless I see the scars, I'm not going to believe. And then in humility cries out, My Lord, my God, who am I to demand this of you? Look at the scars in your hands. How can I demand this of you after what you did? Thomas realizes that the walls he demanded Jesus to walk through were not shields from being manipulated, but idols between his heart and Jesus. And we do the exact same thing in our lives. We build walls that we think will protect, but they actually shield us from the voice of God and become these idols that separate us from the freedom we so desperately need. To reject what we've heard, to reject the words that Jesus has spoken of over your life is to invest in doubt and actually point your trajectory towards certain failure. We need God's voice above all else. Because when the storms of life come and when the uncertainty and the pains of betrayal and rejection of that anxiety and fear of not knowing what's going to happen. 
when that comes, it's the voice of God that can help us overcome. You will always hear the miracle before you see the miracle. You heard the resurrection before you experienced the power of his resurrection. At some point, someone told you about Jesus. And then as you began your life with him, you began to experience that resurrection and the fullness of God. He did not lie to you then when he called you by name. When he walked through the walls that you put up, he showed you the depth of his love for you. And why in 2022 would he lie to you now? We're about to worship God and there is no better time to get right with him than right now. You too, me too, can have a Thomas event. Would you stand with me, church? And if you could close your eyes and bow your head. I'd like to invite you in a prayer. And it's a prayer that I'm praying over myself as well. And it's a prayer that is asking God for his voice to speak to us over these next three weeks. Even right now in worship to set things right. To get back in the same room. Not even on the same page. But to get back in the same room as Jesus. So if you were praying with me, would you place your hand on your heart? Lord, this morning, would you walk through the walls that I've set up? Would you speak to me once again? Would you settle my heart, forgive my pride and mistrust? God, I want to hear you. I am listening. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.